Welcome to this week's episode of Abbas Gunner Podcast. This week's guest is Kerry Sharp, Interim Managing Director, Scottish Economic Development, Scottish Enterprise. Kerry Sharp, thanks very much for joining us here in the Abbas Gunner Podcast. It's a pleasure to meet you, Kerry. Delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Kerry, the first question I've asked now for 18 months, and naively I thought we would be asking this for about six or 12 weeks at the most, three months. Yeah, three months of the pandemic will be away. 18 months later, we're still talking about the pandemic, but it's uh, been such an exceptional time. The first question that we ask all our guests is, how have you found this unusual time and what have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Mm-hmm. So keeping busy has not been a problem <laughs> at all. So from a work perspective, it has been full on for 18 months. I mean, yeah. as, you know, so working in Scottish Enterprises, uh, Scotland's main economic development agency, you know, everybody's turned to us to help business, you know, through a really, really difficult period. So, you know, we spent the first few weeks, like everybody else, working out how we're going to, to do our job, how we're going to get home, how we're going to work remotely and, and be as productive as we needed to be, alongside all of the personal stuff that went with that, be it homeschooling or, you know, caring responsibilities or whatever. So the first little while was, was very much kind of filled with that and supporting our teams, you know, through that process and then the floodgates opened literally you know with all the challenges that companies were facing and we had that job of understanding what was available to support companies you know from uh, from government whether it was you know UK or Scottish government and translating that for companies uh, either from an advice or information point of view but also helping them, you know, access support uh, and providing support directly as well. You know, we deployed, you know, 200 odd million of government money to, you know, to businesses to support through that difficult time. So so work itself has been um, busier than ever for 18 months. So, you know, finding things to do hasn't been a challenge at all. Um, obviously, you know, personally for everybody, it's been, you know, a you know, challenging you know, situation. I've enjoyed some of it, spending more time at home and more time with the family. You know, it's not something that, you know, depending on what you do, that, you know, a lot of us often get a chance to, you know, to do as much. So I have enjoyed that. Not sure my teenage son would quite say the same, but I've certainly enjoyed that. Um, but it's been it's been challenging looking out there, hasn't it, and seeing what, what a lot of other people have had to you know, had to deal with. And personally, glad to have been able to play a role that that was at least to some level helpful, you know, to some of those that have suffered most from it. No, it's been a, a very interesting time from a positive and a negative. Obviously, the negative has <clears throat> been well documented in regards to the hospitalisation and the issues we've had with the NHS. But a lot of the, the, the way in which we've reacted as a community has been very inspiring, I've got to say. I've just spoken to somebody this morning that said previously his employer would never have thought about home uh, working. And he said now 60% of the workforce are happy to sustain that. Uh, going forwards. He also, as a a director within the company, has also said that not only has it been helpful, it's, in his opinion, been more productive in many respects. So there's been a lot of uh, interesting things that have occurred. But that's the pandemic question over, and we want to find out a wee bit more about yourself, uh, Kerry, if we can. And you were born and educated in Scotland. And I wonder if you could just tell us a wee bit more about that time, and did you enjoy your education experience? Yes, so, so I grew up in Defries and Galloway, <coughs> uh, so very much in a kind of rural area, and uh, really, really enjoyed uh, growing up there and going to school there. Um, you know, 
there's some challenges you it's Burns to... country Come well, well, well exactly there's, <laughs> there's that country. for sure Colin <laughs> but, Aye, but usually we all, we all go to Glasgow eventually but you know <laughs> it's God's country it <laughs> absolutely is uh, see, that's where I am now so, so I totally understand yeah. you know growing up I mean I had a, a 20 miles to travel to school you know so we had a 45 minute bus journey to get to school you know so things like that are, are you know not always uh, you know quite so good but then more time to chat to your pals so you know at the yeah. time you know it's quite good <laughs> but I certainly had you know a, a, a good time at school um, I, I quite enjoyed it I you know in hindsight it probably didn't work as hard as I should have done which you know I think most of us look back and think it worked a bit harder but you know when you're growing up and there's so many things that you want to do and see then you know it's it's hard to to you know to focus clearly I hope my son's going to be different and he's you know you know working hard all the time um but but I did enjoy school and I got a lot a lot out of it um I still got you know a number of friends from school that I still keep in touch with which is always a good a good sign I think of whether you've enjoyed it or not did, did you get any career advice at school so I mean there definitely was careers advisors um I don't recall them particularly adding value to, to you know to me now you know partly that might have been not knowing really what I wanted to you know to do I remember filling out one of these forms can't remember what it's called kind of a tick box of things that you like don't like good at not good at like and etc and um, it said I should be a probation officer I always <laughs> kind of remember that which you know I'm, I'm you know, nowhere, nowhere near that. I've no idea where that came from. Um, but, I, you know, I, I enjoyed numbers. I enjoyed, you know, financially type of stuff. I think the thing that was probably more helpful for me rather than the careers advice that I got was just the things that I got involved in. So things like what the kind of young enterprise scheme, I can't actually remember what it was called at the time. Uh, kind of after school you know activities it was you know supported by the school and encouraged you know to get involved in it and that was my kind of first taste of a, a bit of entrepreneurship a bit of bit of business and an interest that they kind of developed I guess from there but that was just because I happened to do that and I happened to get involved and happened to like it I can't remember anybody really talking about you know the sort of you know opportunities that lead to this sort of job that I'm doing I'm doing now one of my favourite uh, responses to that question, Kerry, I don't know if you've heard Dean Donaldson's response, but Ian Donaldson was in the band H2O, a, a Glaswegian band that uh, became famous in the uh, in the 80s and still going strong today, but they managed to get on to top of the pops. Uh, so he, he did okay for himself, but he reflected back and going to Govan High and he said it was one of those schools that uh, perhaps I said the wrong thing to the career advisor because he said, I remember lining up and there was a queue of us waiting to go in to see the career advisor. And he shouts, Donaldson, come in. And he said, so I walked in and I sat down and he took one look at me and he said, and what is it you would like to do when you grow up? And he says, I want to be a pop star. And he said, he looked at me again and he said, he looked up and then shouts, Next, and that was his career advice <laughs> advisor, which I thought was a perfect piece of which is career not great, advice. Is it? <laughs> no, you know, we should be nurturing all the interest that, that everybody's got. So your first uh, employment itself, Kerry, was as a structured finance finance analyst. Wonder if you could tell us a wee bit more about that opportunity. Yes, so. I, I ended up doing accountancy at university and um, moved up to, to Glasgow to the, you know, the big, the big town, as we talked about Colin earlier. Um, I only got lost once in my first week, so I thought that was, that was quite good. Um, and that kind of came about from just, I did enjoy, enjoy the numbers side of it um, and kind of fell, fell into it in some ways, but, you know, definitely that kind of young enterprise scheme and the business side kind of helped me, you know, get, decide that was a good place to go. Um, but 
Again, even the careers advice at university wasn't great because my idea of what an accountant would be wasn't, you know, particularly exciting for me. I thought, I, I really don't want to be sitting down looking at accounts all day. That wasn't where I saw myself. I only later in life realised that, that, you know, so many different things you can you can do when you're an accountant. Um, so you know, at that point, after I graduated, I was trying to decide what to do. And actually, my father worked in, in banking and I'd had a couple of summer jobs there. Um, so, so I ended up applying for getting on to the graduate scheme at Bank of Scotland. Um, which was was great actually because I, I went across lots of different areas, got exposure to personal retail, business, corporate, and kind of through that process, it kind of decided I quite like the, the corporate side. And you know, luckily through um, a competition that I did in a presentation, I did I kind of get supported by the the chap that that led uh, on the structured finance uh, team in Glasgow. I ended up moving there to get my kind of proper job at the end of a kind of two year graduate scheme. Um, and and that was you know some of it was uh, fortuitous, but some of it was kind of following my nose a little bit. Just you know the things that I like doing, and you know how can I keep doing the things that I, that I like doing. I find that the personal side of it quite challenging. You know people struggling to pay their bills or their mortgages or you know whatever. Um, so the business side was was much more more interesting for me well well i can get the idea behind that because uh you know i can see that you worked in the personal what was called in bank of scotland the personal banking business banking corporate banking of course corporate bank is where you get these big mega complicated deal structures right so anybody who gets involved in that is quite exciting because the deal making part of it is quite yeah. button thrust you kind of do that in the retail side, but it's a personal <laughs> customer, and everything's gone digital and commoditized with that anyway. So, so I can understand actually. So later, later on, I can see the pathway that kind of did at least. I think because you took a a hankering for that part of the sort of banking side, that's kind of structured the way you went after that about yeah. how to fund had fund companies. So it's actually you you seem to have started on the pathway at that point so yeah, obviously absolutely. that training scheme did you well it did actually and, it did. and did you feel you got accelerated training there because compared to you know being at university or even school but the the level of you know the, the sort of knowledge you gain when you're working like that and that's i think is much faster is that your experience yeah, I absolutely think it, it is. It's the fact that you're, you know, learning on the job and applying, you know, what what you're learning kind of day day to day. Um, so I did as part of the graduate scheme, I did my, my banking exams, so I became a chartered banker. Um, but then what I quickly yeah. realised as well though was my kind of earlier view on um accountancy is not really where I want to go. Quickly learning that actually accountancy qualification was important anyway, even if you don't want mm. to go and be an accountant in the traditional sense. So then we on to do my accountancy exams, uh, you know, after the bank exams, which then together, you know, absolutely gave me the grounding and I guess then the the understanding of what was out there from a kind of business uh, banking investment type of of, of um, you know yeah. perspective, which really made a difference. So you've involved in mergers and acquisitions as well. So that, that's exciting. I had a, a year or two at that at some point in my career and uh, the, you burn the candle though, you're knackered. But yeah, it's really, it's such a buzz. So did you enjoy that? Did you? I did, absolutely. And then that's where I got yeah. the first taste of the equity side as well, because it's always yeah. leverage deals. Um, so all of a sudden you start to see it and, and another part of that, that equation, which is really quite quite interesting as well, which is what kind of led me to, to make my next move. Move to 3i as a portfolio manager. And again, can you just elaborate a wee bit more about that for us, Kerry? Yes, I was really lucky actually because I got an, an opportunity. I'd been working with 3i and I, 
in a couple of deals and uh, they were looking to you know, bring in some additional support. So I actually went there on secondment initially um, for about a year, it must have been, and really took to it, really enjoyed the equity side, just the type of companies that 3i were investing in. And actually, as a, as a business itself, you know, a really exciting place to be, fantastic training. Uh, you know, got to, you know, be involved in all sorts of things. Um, so that just um, it really sparked my interest and decided, actually, that's that's where I wanted to be. I couldn't have quite placed where I was wanting to move to before. But as soon as I got to 3i and got involved in the equity side, I thought, yep, this is this is it for me. So I decided to to jump across and, and, and move to, to the equity side. So it's a bit like Stuart. It's a bit like uh, in football analogy. She's moved into the transfer market. <laughs> <laughs> she's buying and selling people probably worth a lot more than uh, even uh, <laughs> Jack Grealish. <laughs> Again, just moving on. In 2006, she became the director of portfolio management uh, in Scottish Venture Fund for Scottish Enterprise. How did that come about, uh, Kerry? So after leaving 3i, I went and did a bit of property investment for a while. Um, but I always missed missed the business equity side, the 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 kind of small business side of it. Um, so I was kind of you know looking around, thinking about you know what what's kind of next, and met a couple of the the, the team, the investment team at, at Scottish Enterprise. I, and just thought, actually, there's, there's something definitely in here. That team had dealt quite a lot with the 3i team at the time. And I think what attracted me to, to Scottish Enterprise was the mix of the investment side, which is what I, which I, what I enjoyed, but the whole public sector side. So it's very much about this more, more than just the money. It's more than just the financial returns. It's the, the economics as well and being able to bring that to the table. Um, so a few conversations, I thought, yeah, this is, this is really quite quite interesting. So again, kind of, and I wasn't enjoying what I was doing, which kind of helped with the, with the jumping in fairness, but um, it was kind of getting back to, to what I enjoyed the most. And I spent a bit of time um, supporting setting up um, the Scottish Venture Fund, which still exists just now, kind of a few kind of iterations since then, but that kind of early stage equity is the focus of, of that fund and a number of other funds that are still kind of run by, by Scottish Enterprise. What we, 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 we're always private sector led, so always very much that collaboration, public sector and private sector. But one of the things I brought to the table as part of, of uh, my role there was that portfolio side, which is the team I ended up kind of de developing out. So it was very important for the public sector to, you know, to have a say and a stake. When it's got a stake, to have a say, rather is a better way to put it, and to, to get closer to the companies that we're invested in, to make sure that we can support the, the economics out of the investment, and not just the commercial returns. Private sector, in the main, it's, it's moved over in kind of recent years, but at the time, the, the private sector are there to make money. That's what, that's what they do, and that, that's kind of great. Um, but as a public sector investor, very important that we're thinking about more than that and balancing the economics and the, the, the financial, as, as I mentioned. So we developed a, a team within Scottish Enterprise and the investment team to make sure that we could uh, you know, support the, the companies we're invested in and help them with the, the growth agenda. Some of that's maybe leadership skills, some of it might be um, skills development you know, for, for staff, etc. Um, very much um, supporting their, their growth journey, which is obviously good for the, the economy which is why that's an activity that's important to us. And from 2006, Kerry, I've got to ask, just to delve in a wee bit deeper, you, you must have come across a, a, a huge array of portfolios, as you've sort of alluded to. Is there any that you could maybe elaborate on that you were very proud of? So, I mean, I 
we have invested in hundreds, literally, you know, hundreds of, of businesses over the, the years. We focused our activities at, always in the early stage, but sometimes for the from the very much seed startup stage through to kind of growing companies, but but still what we class as kind of early stage. I guess where you know I've certainly got the most pleasure from seeing is that very early stage, you know, where we can see you know businesses from from inception and often through wider support in Scottish enterprise, something that's been out of universities or we're literally supporting from a grant and advice point of view a startup from from kind of nowhere. And then you know my team has kind of come in with the, the commercial investment to be able to see that because I've been there you know for quite a long time now in our sports you know over quite a number of years we can see you know an individual with a great idea you know right through to a growing scaling and sometimes you know very successful exited company with you know a lot of money in their in their back pocket um, and a lot of um you know impact in the economy and that's i guess the pleasure of of what we do and the pleasure of that role is we really can see it from you know kind of, kind of nothing uh, through to something that's really quite you know quite impactful in so many different ways and you know and hopefully in most cases created a, a lot of jobs as well and, and again, I'm, I'm I'm curious, Kerry, if I could just ask: is is often the biggest issue with businesses increasing? Uh, is it scaling? Is that their biggest uh, problem that that they're, they're not familiar with? Yes, it's a mixture of things. So, so we are as a as an economy particularly good at um, starting businesses off. So we punch you know pretty much above our weight when it comes to kind of start out startups and spinouts. And um, where we do struggle is that commercialisation and scale up. What we were kind of performing, you know, below you know a lot of other regions and areas at that level the question is why and that's the one that we we kind of always struggle with um you know lots of kind of schools of thought and i think there's a mixture of things in there for me i think um that there's definitely an element of the the kind of leadership development side that we need to do more of it's different people often that are needed for different stages and you might well have you know the leading a startup it's all about the vision all about the passion all about you know the ideas and getting everybody behind it but then as you start to operate a, a kind of proper business uh, with uh, engaging with others with sales development whatever it happens to be then you need to bring other people in and if you don't bring in the right people or you don't bring other people in at all or you still assume that you should play a certain role which actually isn't the right role for, for you or your skill set I think that can be you know quite quite challenging and whilst we do do a lot more peer-to-peer -peer support than we used to do. There's quite a lot of things kind of underway a lot of programs a lot of you know opportunities to you know to share I don't think we're always as honest about it as we, we kind of should be. We need more people talking about the problems and the issues and the challenges to help people address them, as well as talking through, you know, the opportunities and the great things that can be achieved. Because what we do know, things don't go to plan, they never really go to plan. There's always something that comes up. So that resilience, it needs to be kind of fed into it. Um, but then there's also, I think, the, the challenge on, you know, where we find our peers from and whether there's enough. So, near peer-to-peer -peer, I think it's quite a, a, an interesting thing that we don't do maybe as much as we should we want to put in front of people you know the unicorns the really top-notch senior executives that have you know made loads of money which is great and that's great for inspiration great to see that there but what a lot of you know growing companies need is actually the company that's a step or two ahead of them and that have got through what they're just about to go through because sometimes that unicorn seems totally out, out of reach and um, whereas actually knowing that you know there's a company that's a stage or two above and um, they've actually gone through something similar and can share some you know kind of issues and challenges with and 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 the ways to get through it, i think is a really important thing for us to try and develop to see if we can help break through that kind of glass ceiling lots of other things in there as well of course but that's something that's kind of on my mind at the moment
I'm just curious, uh, Kerry. That, so uh, how much of your time was spent on companies that you were trying to get them to realise their ambition into established markets and then maybe taking a, a footprint copy of the experience that other bigger companies have had. So, you know, obviously you can leverage that. How much of your time was that versus um, were there new market opportunities where there wasn't experienced companies to rely on? And then you've got new startups coming into it. And, you know, I take the banking equivalent, for example, the, all the, the fintechs that have, you know, came up all over the place, have popped up everywhere. At the beginning, you know, being amongst those first ones was truly exciting because the big boys didn't want you. They weren't going to help you and leverage and share their experience. They, were, they knew you were going to replace them. <laughs> but uh, so I'm just curious how much your time is spent on taking companies through a proven uh, sort of template view of becoming a company and how to manage yourself effectively versus trying to you know, trying to encourage and support entrepreneurs who are doing something very different from what's already on the market. Because sometimes these guys uh, might not find the place to get the help they need, you know, and, and therefore could you know, that, their ideas could die out. And, and in Scotland, trying to compete with the rest of the world, for example, there's something that you need to, to do to help that. So I can imagine that that's, that's trickier and tougher to think through. So I'm just curious how you balance your time on those two types versus how did what was your experience on it yeah i mean a, a really good question so there, there's definitely a bit of both um because they're both are uh, required um you know to really to break into new markets got new ideas to develop new thinking you know we absolutely need you know you know different types of companies disrupting markets and you know kind of changing the way we do things and fintech is a, is a great example of that but i think there's sometimes a, a, a misconception that because nobody else is doing what, what I'm doing, nobody else can help me, you know, with, with the direction I'm going. And the reality is, I think that, you know, I mean, there will be things that you come across that nobody has come across because mm-hmm. you're disrupting a market and you've therefore, you know, dealing with things that haven't been dealt with before. But a lot of the challenges of scaling are the same for all businesses that are scaling. You know, it's about, you know, how do you split yourself in two? You know, how do you bring in the right people? How do you keep the, the culture as you grow? How do you get the, you know, the skilled staff that you need? How do you retain staff? Um, you know, how do you enter into, how do you choose between um, outsourcing contracts or, you know, whatever it happens to be. So I think a lot of the, the challenges are seeing no matter what type of business. Now, some of them are absolutely not. You've got, you know, fintechs much more in the digital space and there's a lot of technology um, kind of risk and challenge there. But likewise, there's other, you know, sectors who have had those, you know, kind of challenges to face. So I think there is a, a need to to go out and seek the type of, of support. There's, there's lots of people there that are, are willing to help. I mean, Scottish Enterprise is just kind of one of, of many that are uh, keen and uh, got the skills and background to be able to support businesses. And I think the more that, you know, companies are, are seeking uh, others who have been there before and finding forums and, and sharing um, the, the, their stories and, and looking to, to, to add something to others, because even those that are, are new in their journey can absolutely <coughs> help to others who are newer in their journey, or even those that are slightly later in their journey but haven't came across that particular issue that you've dealt with before. So I think that, yeah. you know, the value of peer-to-peer is, is exceptional right across the piece, I think. And even, you know, I, I would say... You know, even companies much later, you know, that have, have been around for a long time, really develop businesses, you know, can still add value between them. 
and uh, can still get you know nuggets as you you're looking for in some of these sessions Stuart uh, mm. so I definitely think that's something we need to do to more of across the piece. Presently the interim managing director at uh, Scottish Economic Development for Scottish Enterprise and I'm really curious how you're finding that position because you've uh, you've just spoken very passionately about being uh, very hands-on in adverted comments and now being managing director it would be more a strategic aspect for the the business how do you find that how are you finding that transition to becoming interim managing director so it's been a, a fantastic opportunity for me over the past um must be about 10 months or so um so our previous managing director stepped up to um interim chief exec while we're going through the process and bringing our new chief exec who starts actually next week um so i'll be kind of slotting back into to my kind of role going forward um but it's been great over the last 10 months because it has it's challenged me hugely i've been responsible and accountable for a big part of our business that um that i didn't really know that well <laughs> Turns out, you know, I thought I knew it well, and I and I guess I didn't know it well enough for the role that I was doing. But you know, all of a sudden, you know, it, it kind of box stops at me. So I do need to get to know it better. Um, and what what has been interesting for me to try and get the balance right is getting into enough detail to understand enough about the operations that the areas that I'm not familiar with to be able to then step out and take the strategic view and kind of lift myself out of the out of the operations um which you know has has been just a challenging to 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 my, to my um you know way of working but that's why I've really enjoyed it because it has kind of pushed me to to look at things differently and to think about my time you know because I do I have been spending a lot of hours working over the last you know kind of 18 months a lot of it driven by the pandemic kind of first of all but a lot of it has just been you know making sure that I, that I do a good job when I've been kind of stepping up um but I definitely think when you get opportunities in life uh, you know to do something a bit different and out your comfort zone you know you have to grab them with with both hands because you know okay you might might regret it you might make a uh, no sorry you won't regret it you might make a mistake you might decide it's not for you or whatever but I don't think you will regret it I think you know having you know the opportunity that to decide is that for you you know is this a direction you want to go or you know or not is invaluable. One of the other questions that we've been asking recently is it's quite a unique set of circumstances that have arisen recently with the pandemic giving a number of economic issues and international trade. And we've also got the climate change situation occurring with uh, people looking for more sustainability within their business. But we've also got the Brexit. And we just wondered with regards to the new trade deals and the opportunities that we have, because all three of those are going to offer, whether you wanted Brexit or not, huge amounts of opportunities. And they were there previously, but some of the new ones will be coming through from the renewable sector, from the climate change sector, the, the new trade ports that will open up. So there's going to be a huge amount of opportunity. And I just wanted to find out your own opinion with regards to that, Kerry. Yeah, so so I guess that there's absolutely you know a lot of potential opportunity out there for sure. A lot a lot of you know the discussions are still kind of work in progress, and like a lot of these things, you know, the devil's in the detail, um, and some we've got more detail on than, than others. Um, but unfortunately, with kind of all these things, I guess there are winners and losers, and what we need to do is make sure there's more more winners than than losers, because um, I guess any <coughs> any kind of deals, any trade deals have you know risks attached to them in some you know, shape or form, you know, often the exclusivity that, you know, essentially goes with that can be, you know, disadvantage to, you know, to others. So it's important that we, you know, we think them through. There's always a, you know, I think a, you know, a risk that we we jump into things, you know, because post-Brexit, you know, 
it's a bit of a, a, a kind of a you know panic you know how do we how do we make sure this is good how do we make sure this is successful and kind of jump to you know to to come up with with deals but they might not always be the right you know the right thing we need to just take our time we need to you know consider all the options all the impacts and kind of work through it at pace yes but but thinking carefully about, about what we're doing and ensuring that the opportunities are opportunities and that they are you know available for you know the vast majorities of, of companies out there and we don't inadvertently you know have uh, unintended consequences which is you know unfortunately a factor that goes with you know can do things too quickly or you know creating policies without maybe kind of doing all the all the thinking through. Do you think uh, I'm just curious again about your opinion on this Kerry but um, when I think about that I think about the, the fact that to take opportunities People who've got a tendency to, to want to innovate, to do different things, will go and explore that without any prompting, without any initial push, right? And then I think as well, though, that there are people who don't understand that they should be trying that. They kind of get locked down into, well, I wanted things to stay the way they were, you know, and they listen to all the crap in the telly. And they don't actually explore anymore. They just kind of like get used to the way things were and they wanted it to stay the way it was. So how much of that inertia do you have to deal with versus how much do you see people actually genuinely exploring, trying to take the opportunity rather than just moan about what's happened? So I guess I, in the role that I do, I'm quite lucky. I see much more of the, the former because... Um, the it's early stage companies that are by nature you know ambitious um you know often tech driven digital type of businesses and and you know they're, they're new businesses they're you know looking to shop looking to you know to grow and to, to find their their kind of place so i i, I tend to to come across much more of the businesses that are just generally looking for the opportunities but you know there's lots of you know stories out there um you know of, of companies that are just not not willing to change with you know with the times and you know life does change it's kind of inevitable um and you know the pandemic's kind of shown you know how much you know can can really change you know pretty pretty quickly so if there's there's definitely you know, lessons to be learned in so many different ways but you know staying away from any of the kind of public health side of things from an economy point of view you know resilience and being able to you know move quickly and adapt business models um is definitely you know one of the big learning and we saw i mean there's lots of companies that have done well out of covid because of the type of business that they are but we've seen you know lots of companies like you know distilleries that have been you know making sanitizer you know just just companies have just thought right i need to stop this i need to do do something else and how do i do that and work it through and then then do it but there's some businesses that have just sort of closed and um, decided well we just have to kind of stay where we are and kind of hang fire um some of them use furlough some of them not um but actually Hopefully we won't have anything like this to deal with, um, you know, again soon. But there'll be something else, you know, Brexit has got its own kind of challenges, you know, the, just the, the world's going to change, how we're going to work and operate. Are we going to start, you know, flying all over the world again, you know, for business? Are we going to be doing you know, more Teams calls? So so companies will, will hopefully start to realise that, you know, you absolutely can't just, you know, stay in a path. You're going to have to be flexible. You're going to have to be, you know, resilient. You're going to have to think about how you do adapt if something happens. Not necessarily sure what what it is, and you can't. And, and I agree with people that say you can't work through every eventuality because you can't. But you have to at least do some sensitivities and you know plan what you're going to to do and how you're going to adapt what you're doing if you know, something you don't expect happens. And you do have to do that overnight. 
Do you get caught out quite a bit when you're thinking about these things as well? Because I know I, I do. I, take, I keep an eye on certain uh, economic indicators, but uh, I do get caught out in my thinking. It's, just, it's, it's so unusual, the set of circumstances we're facing. But the opportunities, I think, are far greater than anyone's really selling on the telly. You know, you just don't see people really thinking, hey, we really have an opportunity here. Well, well, I mean, you've been caught out by oh, it totally. I mean, I got caught out in the pandemic. I mean, he's a story for you. So we, we obviously moved out of, um, to working from home whenever it was the end of, of March. Um, and I've got, you know, at the time my team were kind of split all over the place. We had three main offices, uh, Bells Hill, Edinburgh and, and Glasgow. And we've been home for about, um, you know, two weeks or so. And I usually at Easter send a big box of um, cream eggs to three offices, you know, a big box of 48 so they can all dive in and keep themselves going. And I sent them two weeks afterwards at home thinking, we'll be back in a few weeks. So, you know, maybe a wee bit after Easter, but they'll still be sitting there. They'll still be sitting there in the offices, you know, 18 months later. Probably not edible in fairness, but I just thought that we'll be back soon. And in fairness, it's probably good that I didn't realise it'd be 18 months because I think we'd all have found that quite, you know, quite challenging. But I just had had no you know, concept at all that, you know, we could have something that would would last this long. Um and, and you know and I don't think we, we we necessarily have to not get caught out, but I think we have to realise something's changed and, you know, work at how we adapt quickly. I think that's a bit mm. that we need to learn. Not assume we can see it coming. Mm. But when we, when it comes, uh, you know, make sure we're we're on top of what's happening and therefore, you know, we can be able to, you know, to adapt accordingly. Uh, sorry, your venture capitalists are sitting there, you know, like, you know, the, they're ready to swoop in and go for it, you know, when you see an opportunity, you'll remember that. So. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, the pandemic has been good in some ways. I mean, one of the, um, you know, things I've heard quite a lot, you know, trying to get time. So an early stage growing business, wanting to get time with certain big, uh, you know, P houses or, you know, venture capitalists, it could be quite challenging. You know, it could be, you know, down in London, you know, trailing the streets, trying to get, you know, kind of meetings. Whereas now, or over the last 18 months, it's been a lot easier to get a 20 minute, half an hour call was it with somebody you want to speak to that you'd never got before just because mm. of the way that we're working you know so so that, that there are there are these opportunities and we, we need to just look out for them and find them and use them to our best advantage uh, what's the fun part of this for you i mean do you get a real kick out of creating new jobs and what what's the fun part for you yeah, so it's, it's seeing what we can create. It's seeing the benefit to to the economy. So for me, it's companies mainly that I deal with, but in the, the kind of role I've been doing a lot of kind of wider projects, but where we can see that we make a difference, that if we weren't there, things wouldn't have happened. And that, that's what I get. And I know from, you know, and all the discussions we have with our colleagues, that's what we all get from being part of, of Scottish Insights, part of the public sector. So it's normalised jobs. It's um, you know, creation of you know infrastructure that's going to then lead on to jobs. Our core mission is jobs. It's more and better jobs and shared wealth and, and wellbeing, which is that piece about you know all across um, the economy. So it's not about the central belt or you know wherever. It's about you know all parts of the country being able to benefit from from a growing economy and from the advantages that can bring. And that's certainly I never thought I'd stay in the public sector as long as I've been here. It's been over 15 <laughs> years. I kind of thought same as previous job maybe five or six years. But I'm here because I enjoy what I do and enjoy the difference that, that I can make and that my team that I'm leading can, can make and, and supporting companies right, right across the economy. I think the ONS actually just released the, the mid-year, mid-2020 population statistics and it's really fascinating. So when I looked at Scotland, uh, just to see uh, the internal migration within Scotland, I mean, 
Stuart, Stuart and I have been involved in uh, some other potential projects about areas that are a bit run down and need a bit of injection of hope in certain ways. But um, like Easton Barton's was one, for example. But uh, the when I see it, I, I see where we came from, like Ayrshire and you know the Galloway Forest area and all the rest. That is depopulating. You know, it's definitely going down year yeah. over year. And only certain parts of Scotland are populating more. The obvious things, the tendency towards the cities, right? But in order to keep the whole economy going, you know, the, the levelling up agenda, even within Scotland, is something that's quite a challenge when you see the, the, the migration and the movement of the population. Do you look at that as well from the economic point of view when you're targeting your priorities? We do. Um, so, so place is a really, uh, you know, important factor of what we we're kind of currently interested in, and that's about the, the fact that we it's important where things do happen. So, community people are in communities, and communities are all, you know, over the place, and we need to to think about how we can support regional development as well as the national development. At the National Development Agency, our focus has always been on, you know, what's good for the nation um, as, as a whole. Um, but now we're very much moving towards, it's important that that's shared as, as far as we can, and about supporting you know, different regional economies, different partners in regions, recognising where their strengths are and helping support them in developing their strengths and seeing how we can tie that in with some of the, the programmes that we are developing and, and where we can see the growth in the economy and where the inward investment's coming from. So our role very much about um, you know that that kind of place dimension. We've got a framework, place framework as it's called, um, to allow us to you know to really think about how do we bring all these factors in and make sure mm. we are uh, interested in you know as much as you know the the airshare, which is you know obviously kind of suffers quite badly when we look at all the kind of various statistics, um, you know around about you know growth or deprivation. Like how can we make sure we support you know more in airshare than maybe we would you know somewhere else, which is you know doing better when we look at all the kind of various the stats that we've got. Mm, yeah, it's quite exciting, Neil. You've got a huge task. Jobs, yeah. jobs, jobs. <laughs> Absolutely, that's it. And that used to be what we said, literally jobs are jobs, but now it's good jobs and green jobs, which is, is uh, also an important fact. I mean, clearly the, the green everyone well, can aware of. There's all sorts of jobs out there. Um, but for us, it's, it's a fair work dimension, you know, so that's uh, a bit that we're also yes. kind of interested yep. in. We don't, we don't want, you know, jobs paying people kind of next to nothing we want jobs playing the real living wage we want um you know the difference so there's a, a whole piece on fair fair work um and there's a, a guide for companies as to how to make sure that they kind of consider themselves as doing that and it's about equality it's about you know um, engagement it's about a whole load of things and that's something that we kind of push very hard because it's not just about any job and um, but definitely the right kind of job for the society that we want to, to see in scotland yeah, and I've seen you, you actually have a movement as well to try and help women more as well, get a more equitable chance, uh, you know, creating businesses. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, given, you know, that there's more than 50% of the population in, in the UK yeah. and in Scotland is women, um, you know, so we have to make sure that we, you know, we utilise all the, you know, all the skills that, that we've got. Um, and there's obviously various reports that, that have been done you know, outlining it. I mean, I think it's about twenty percent of high growth businesses are kind of women led, even though you know, five percent of the population is women. Something not quite kind of right there. Um, yeah. so, so we do we work with. There's lots of people now, thankfully, who are interested and focused on this. And it's important. One of the things that we do need to do a wee bit more, I think, is coordinate our efforts. 
better mm -hmm. to make sure we're all kind of focused on how we can do our bit uh, of the agenda that we're trying to support rather than risk of us kind of not, not quite being additional to each other and maybe kind of duplication of efforts. And that's certainly one of the things that, that we're looking at with partners and actually is just trying to coordinate and make sure the, the public and private sector together, you can achieve more, essentially. No, on a similar note, um, uh, uh, Kerry, you, we uh, read very recently uh, the Hunter Foundation uh, wrote a, a report uh, which was looking to try to increase the debate on the best ways to increase the economy whilst tackling poverty. And we've asked a number of our guests and we've had some great examples and some great uh, suggestions to that debate. And I just wondered uh, if, if we could ask you the same question, Kerry. Yeah, so um, so that, that was a really good port, report. I think it was um, Oxford Economics, wasn't it, that, that kind yeah. of wrote that for the Hanker Foundation? And yeah. they're they're very experienced, and they've looked kind of um, you know wide to get a lot of their their inputs into there. And it's it's you know a lot of things that we absolutely you know agree with, and I personally agree with. So that you know the sentiment and the headline messages, you know, absolutely, um, you know, supportive of. And I think the particular messages, I guess, from that which um, yeah, I agree with is that point that everybody you know, needs to play a role. So it's not about government, it's not about policy, um, although it's a bit about that, but it's also about business, it's about um, you know, communities, individuals, everybody working together to try and achieve more for the, for the greater good. And for me, the bit that I think we really need to do is, is what I kind of mentioned just you know, a moment ago, is that, that joined up collaboration uh, across the piece is going to really make it make a difference so we need to to think about not just the economy side of it but our our land and buildings our um local support so um, local authority support our services they provide and to, to make sure that we can see it all holistically and make sure they can come together in a way that you know really can make a difference because there's always a risk that you know from an economy point of view you know we can support um you know our business inward investment somewhere out, out, out in six and um, but actually there's no transport or there's no you know kind of other infrastructure kind of roundabout so you know particular individuals can't work there because they can't they can't get there and um, or it's kind of suit them with childcare or whatever it happens to be so one of the important things which comes back to our kind of focus on on place we have a role in in place making which is a, it's a much kind of rounder um kind of way of looking at place that everybody has a role in and there's a, a kind of a tool that's kind of used which talks about the role that, that lots of people play in that that overall um kind of way forward for us and we do focus on the jobs and the economy side of it but we want to work with partners so that we've got the transport in there we've got the wider infrastructure in there as well and for me that that's how we really make a difference in in this area uh, collective collective working and collective support for for the better good is probably a way to, to summarize getting back to yourself kerry uh, on a personal note You've uh, worked in a number of different areas throughout your career and you must have a lot of career highlights and conversely some career low points. I just wondered if you, you uh, could tell us any that uh, stick, stick out. So um, I, luckily, you know, for me, I've had lots of career highlights, but I guess the thing is probably more a, a thing that's there's, there's lots of highlights for me, which is about the people that, that, that I work with. So where I've been lucky, particularly in, in Scottish Enterprise, and um, you know, led a lot, a lot of teams, built a lot of teams. And when I, when I 
when I bring people in, particularly if I write from recruitment, if I recruit somebody and I support them in their development, support them in their opportunities, and they they kind of move into the roles they want to do, um, and then you know become you know great leaders in their own and go off and you know you know work alongside me, kind of doing something else. That that's where I get the you know the the best you know, kind of, you know, highlight from that's what I really enjoy, knowing that I've, I've kind of seen the potential in somebody being able to to support it. And luckily, you know, lots of people I've brought into the team have been, you know, fantastic and have, have added, you know, loads of value to, you know, what we're doing. So, so that's something I definitely see as a, you know, a highlight, but, you know, getting the opportunity to be able to do that over the years. Um, from a low lights point of view, I would say quite lucky as well. I've not got, you know, kind of many, but um, when when I kind of look back, when when three I when I was when I was leaving three I three I was moving out of Scotland. That was, you know, I'd been, you know, on the cash for a long time. Probably when I joined, but we kind of knew that's eventually what would happen. And as it was getting closer, um, I probably spent far too much time doing the job and focused on on work and delivering what I had to do, and didn't spend as much time as I should have done thinking about me and what was, you know, what was next. And I kind of ended up eventually as it came as you go into kind of property lending and probably just kind of move because you know that job was there and you know that that's fine I'll move over there but but it wasn't wasn't for me I didn't I didn't really enjoy the you know the company the culture wasn't great the deals were not as exciting as I kind of thought it would be I'm sure lots of people get excited about property deals but it but it but it wasn't it wasn't for me um and that that probably that wasn't a good move for me now in hindsight maybe it was because yeah I'm now doing something that I really enjoy um but when I look back it wasn't it wasn't a great year that year um so that was definitely a bit of a a bit of a low light but at the same time huge lesson for me as well on you know thinking about um you know myself and what I want to do and where I want to go next the other question that we ask all our guests as well, Kerry, is uh, have you been inspired by any books, whether it be uh, inspirational type books or any, any, anything specific at all that you can tell us about? Yes, so there's actually there's, there's a couple of books that have inspired me in different ways. So I don't know if you've heard of um, The Third Man Factor, a book by um, John Geiger, I think it is. Yeah. Um, I, not the kind of book I would actually read normally, but my husband had been telling me about it. And I guess for anyone that doesn't know, it's it's, a, it's about you know people who are in sort of near death experiences, it's usually adventures and the like, in survival situations that kind of have a have a presence of some sort that you know uh, you know something that makes them kind of push that that kind of last step and and you know helps them survive. There's a whole other theories around about you know what is this you know is it hallucination is it guardian angels you know whatever it is. But for me, it just, you know, when I, when I read that, I was just fascinated by the fact that, you know, you think you can't do one more thing and actually you can, you know, when, when push comes to the shove. Now, whatever it is that's kind of, you know, on your shoulder helping you do that, um, just the, the fact that you can get to that level of literally kind of a near-death experience and then can, something can happen, you can get yourself out of that situation. I find that really, really interesting, quite inspiring. The other one is actually a book that I'm reading at the moment. Um, which is called the, the Art of Fairness, and it's a chap called um, David Budaius, I think is maybe how you pronounce it. Um, and it's I'm really enjoying it because it's about it's about leadership, and it's about um, you know some chap, some baseball chap, I think it was that had this phrase of nice guys come last or, or something similar. To that. I think it's a kind of well coined phrase now, and the, the idea is that if you're nice, you're never going to you know kind of win anything. And this book is about disproving that that actually you can absolutely be nice and and still do really well. You, you can't be soft or you know anything like that to, you know to be a, a good leader. And you know the the first um, kind of chapter in it is about Danny Boyle in the Olympics did the the opening ceremony um and kind of 
very kind of long story short, but he managed to get, I think it's about 10,000 people or so that were volunteering um, to support this, that they knew what was happening, but didn't tell us all. And he didn't do it by the normal techniques of NDAs and taking people's mobile phones away and all that sort of thing. It was about getting the respect from, from the people that were, were, were involved and being, you know, on the ground with them, helping what they were doing and turning it from, you know, a, a bad thing you're not allowed to tell people to it's a secret that we need to keep. And there's lots of stories like that. I'm only halfway through it, but, but I'm really enjoying it so far. And it's given me even, you know, now lots of inspiration on, because my track has always been about trying to be the kind of leader that I, that I want to be. And this is really helping me kind of uh, agree that, you know, you can absolutely do that. You can you can be nice and still deliver good things. Mm-hmm. Well, Mahatma Gandhi, a great example. I always, I always <laughs> tell you lots... as well, because uh, you, you see the dramatised view of it, but there's a guy yeah. who created a revolution and never had a bad thing to do to anybody mm-hmm. he was a nice guy yep yep yeah, absolutely so, so so be nice is actually a good leadership message <laughs> it is indeed i have to try and tell myself to do that every day because i'm not i'm not that great at it <laughs> <laughs> every day's a school day as they say isn't it <laughs> <laughs> True. Kerry, you'll be pleased to hear this is our very last question and it's a question that we ask all our guests and it's a very important uh, question for us and that's what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given and what piece of advice would you pass on to the next generation so i think the best piece of advice i've ever had is somebody had once said that um the the harder i work the luckier i get and i thought that's 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 always stuck with me because there is this perception that uh, you know people that have got, you know, successful careers or um, great lives or great relationships or whatever, that somehow it's all down to luck. Um, and that's how, how they got there. But but the reality is, it, you know, there's a bit of luck everywhere, isn't there? A bit of unluckiness, you know, lots of places. But actually, you know, if you work hard and focus on what you want to do, then, you know, that gets you, you know, a massive way, way forward. Um, and that's kind of stood me in, in good stead, I think, you know, throughout throughout my career and throughout my life. Um, and I guess that the piece of advice that, that I would maybe kind of add on is that that um, piece on honesty and integrity, you know, is absolutely, you know, what is incredibly um, important. Um, you know, as you, you progress through your, your career, um, it's, it's really important to think about what you're doing and how you're doing it and making sure that you are you are kind of content with that. You know, always to, you know, to look back and be comfortable with, with what you've done and how you've done it. Um, so wherever you, you end up in your career, to know that you've got there through hard work and, and not anything else, you know, it, there's always opportunities in life to stab people in the back if if you want to to you know to, to get somewhere. Um, but my philosophy has been you know never never do that. Do what's right. Um, and always think about um you know looking back and being comfortable that you got here because you worked hard because you did things in the right way. And if you do that, then then you've got nothing to to regret in life. I think. Okay. On that note, Kerry, thanks very much for joining us here in the I Was Going to Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. So thanks very much. And likewise, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for having me. Right, thank you.